Hey, it's Chris Urban. Welcome to the Triple Clicks Video Game Marketing Podcast. If you couldn't tell from the past few E3s, building a direct and authentic relationship with their fans has become a major priority for Xbox. So I was excited to spend some time with the person leading that effort, Chris Munson. Chris is the global Xbox FanFest lead, and we talked a little bit about the launch of FanFest, Xbox's continued global efforts of growing it, his favorite experience with the fans, and how he got every Game of Thrones prediction wrong. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Chris Munson, Global Xbox Fan Fest lead. Yes. Thanks for doing this. Of course. This is great, Chris. It's E3. We are at the JW Marriott where the entire festival is usually held in the lobby. So it's, <laughs> That's right. Yes. It's good to be here. A different kind. Yes. I, um, I was going to start this entire podcast with a whole list of things that Brent Coyle told me about you. <laughs> but, but, but I think we'll, we'll hold that. To, uh, Brent, Brent who? Uh, exactly. He's dead. He's dead to all of us. Oh, Nobody man. plays Fortnite. I think he plays baseball. Uh, he's re- I saw him swinging the bat, and he's super slow out of the box. He's getting he's getting old. Well, I gave him a lot of credit for hitting that uh, uh, fastball from the thirteen year old. I mean, it's amazing. He can it, just get around on that him. ball. Got all the way to the second baseman Oof, too. So man, that's good. Yeah, hot shot. Thanks for doing this. I wanted I, I talked to Aaron the other day. Had a great kind of a D. Uh, debrief on kind of Xbox's place yep. here. Uh, one of the the biggest things that happens here and around the world now is FanFest. And so right. you are leading that and bringing that up. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But before we get to FanFest, uh, you've been in the industry 18 years? Yeah, a long time. Almost uh, as long as A lot as of me. different companies. Where, uh, where were you before? You got to the good place, Xbox. Where, that's uh, right. Where, where were you before and what were you doing? So before this, I was actually at the uh, the other side. I was at Sony PlayStation there in California, just doing product marketing. I got uh, I was on MLB The Show, and uh, I initially went there uh, for... Um, uh, I don't remember what I went there for, <laughs> but um, I was there for about show's, two and a half years. The show's good, though. It's great. It's great. No, um, but I was there primarily for a lot of the work I was had done on shooters before. So Mag was one of the, the franchises I kind of helped birth there at Sony. Um, but, uh, you know, I heard the calling from Xbox. They offered uh, something really compelling that was actually something similar to what I had done uh, at Ubisoft. So before PlayStation, I was at Ubisoft Montreal and uh, still in what they called editor marketing at the time. So these are embedded marketers uh, on the development side, but mm-hmm. need to have a better sense of game development, design, uh, what year where is, the market is. What year was that? Uh, the years, let's see, I was there, well, I was there when at the initial, original uh, yeah. Assassin's Creed launched. Oh, okay. So I remember. With Jade. Jade Raymond was yeah. the EP on that. I was franchise. at EA at the time, and I was an embedded marketer as well. Oh, we yeah. had 500 people at the studio, and there's like literally eight marketers, and it was that's really right. kind of a unique experience. So that's it's very different than now, but it was it was a good experience for me. Was it was it interesting for you to be embedded with development? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I think that was always my calling in the games industry. Being uh, I've been sort of a a gaming geek, so I'm understanding marketing, of course, was my my grad degree in that, but um, you know, the reason I was able to get this role, and they were always very specific, is these people, you have to understand what it is that take, makes games tick, and also then under, flip it, and then talk to marketers to be able to communicate uh, effectively what the product is really about, mm-hmm. and what the market opportunity really is. So doing dual jobs uh, was great. And then Ubisoft is such a creative place. Um, the Montreal studio is gigantic, it's well over now, I think 2,000 people. 
They've built some of the most iconic franchises in the world. It's amazing. Um, and you have some brilliant people there. And I learned so much about my skill set, about other people, about game development and you know, how they pursue it, the craft. Like it really was a craft yeah. um, that I really enjoyed being a part of that. So when I went to uh, went to Sony PlayStation, I went into a more traditional uh, U.S. market only product marketing job. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, after a while, I was like, no, I I, I liked global. Uh, I liked being closer to games. Uh, and uh, and that's where the opportunity Xbox came, where it was it was a, a calling back to that. Did anyone at Ubisoft not think about not making me ride that horse for six hours to get from spot to spot on the first <laughs> Assassin's Creed? Well, I'll tell you, the concept of open on. world... I was on that horse forever. <laughs> you, you went to a lot of Acker and Ben. It was, um, you know, there was... Um, one there of my was a lot of nervousness about the game when it uh, uh, when it first launched. We just you know there was we 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 knew we were building something really really epic. Um, the teams that were on it were brilliant, smart. It was the Prince of Persia team mm-hmm. that was building it. Uh, Patrice Desolet was the the guy behind it, really behind that Assassin's Creed idea. But there were so many other teams and people there it was too. So good. Like I love I I remember at least for two or three years every Christmas I went back up to Seattle my folks' house and I would make sure that I brought my Xbox and I, I like I was, I knew I was going to get deep into this. This is like when you have hours and time yeah. and I just wanted to play that game and I just felt lo- in love with that franchise. I, I'm deep into Tom Clancy and Far Cry and okay. I, Ubisoft yeah. is spectacular. Really, um, so really I loved all those and I like to give you guys a hard time because you guys f- fix the horses and in the second. Well, I I had nothing. I had very little to do that. I'm but I did put a buddy who was on it specifically for the horses. Yeah, I want people to know this podcast is just not two people being nice to each other. We have to have our, our true, authentic relationship on here. So I'm 100% blaming you for that. Horse. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I still have good friends there. and uh, But yeah, it was one of the most, you know, it's, you, there are steps to your career in the gaming industry. Ubisoft was a fantastic step. It really gave me a greater sense of what uh, we worked on. Eventually started working on the Sean White franchise. So got to work mm-hmm. with Sean for a little bit. Uh, we built, you know, that new franchise. And the new IP part of the industry is where I wanted to go. Sure. And that's Xbox was kind of talking about a couple things. I ended up going, uh, uh, you know, six months into my role at Xbox, they shifted me to this new IP called Halo. Um, it was actually Halo 4, so it really wasn't a new IP. But sure. I made it seem new, like it was. New to you. To me. Uh, How so was I got that? to work on that it's for a, a couple of years, franchise. too. Great franchise, yeah. Yeah, was I was there uh, almost the late 2010 through 2013, so helped launch 4... Uh, helped launch uh, Spartan Assault on Windows 8. The franchise is sprawling and uh, a lot of pressure on 343. Uh, 4 was the first one uh, that they owned completely uh, mm-hmm. away from Bungie and uh, really impressed how the team from Frank to Kiki to Bonnie uh, you know, made something their own, but yet uniquely Halo. Yeah. And I think now we're seeing uh, you know, them go from win to win when, with uh, 5, uh, of course, now with Infinite, uh, can't wait to play that. I'm, they had you know, a great show. Halo was the sure. franchise I got an Xbox for. Yeah. I'm like all those other people out there. That like was it. It was I was a Aliens was my favorite movie, and to finally see a, a, a movie come to life in gaming with this what what looked like it was an open world at that point, yeah, but so much broader, um, captured my attention like no other. Yeah, I say like it's why I got the Xbox as well. We, I, I've talked about it before, but when that ship crashes and you get out and you're you're on the ring and you're just wow, like what you know what I mean? It was just yeah. such such an iconic moment, and I I think those guys had a great 
showing this week. Um, Infinite looks spectacular. The if for me the 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 video that they showed uh, takes me all the way back to three and four and all those great moments. Yeah. And so I'm I couldn't be more excited for. I believe they said holiday 2020, whatever that means. So. Um, super, super excited. That's right, about, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't, I can't wait for that. So, so you worked on Halo, you did that stuff, and then you kind of uh, moved over to your current role. Tell us a little bit about what's, what's your day to day role now um, uh, at Xbox. Well, actually, I did. Uh, I'm going to correct you here, Chris. I actually did move to some other franchises. Oh, there's, I was trying to hide the point that you just get bounced around a lot. Yeah, I do. I do. I get, I get bounced <laughs> around a lot. Um, gosh, now you've brought that up, and I'm rethinking my entire <laughs> career at Microsoft. Um, Thanks, where did you thanks, uh, Chris. <laughs> where did you go after Halo? Oh, I, so I worked on a new IP that didn't come to fruition, but was actually uh, birthed the Coalition. Uh, they used to be called Black Tusk Studios, uh, and then they actually worked on um, uh, you know they're working on a brand new IP that we actually revealed. I don't even remember the name. We think we we didn't give it a name, but we showed it up at E3, and um, uh, and then uh, lo and behold, we bought uh, Gears. Gears franchise and mm-hmm. Rod came along with that, and uh, you know at that point I was very fixated on building something brand new. I think I'd you know been in, in the industry over twelve years at that point, and I was really looking it's like I'm, my focus, my my strength is new IP, um, creating and building and working with the teams, understanding the market, understanding consumers, but also understanding how to tell great stories in games and working with the teams. Obviously, they're experts at that. So working sure. with those experts to to meld that to create great uh, uh, position in the market. Uh, so Gears for wasn't that for me anymore because um, Gears is such a well-established uh, product. People knew what its its uh, its deep down base concept was. There wasn't a need, for, at least in my perception, to be able to do that anymore. So I, I was drawn more to, um, I went on State of Decay for a while. In fact, State of Decay franchise was the initial franchise I actually worked on. When I first got here at Xbox, um, it was a concept about a zombie game, open world zombie games. And so we it was so far in advance, we had to kind of work to figure out whether this zombie f- phenomena would continue. Because Walking Dead was just starting out. It was a huge hit. Uh, but the question was, is, are zombies still going to be cool in three to four or five years when the, the concept of the game was? Hey, yeah. Uh, and I think the, the team at Undead uh, has really found their, their, their place in the world. Save to K2 is a huge expansion on what yeah, they were doing for one. Uh, but it was at that time. So thank you. We're now at the right timeline. Uh, we, uh, I had pitched an idea that um, we, Xbox One was coming around and it was a matter of simply deeply held for me about rallying the troops. You know, Xbox One, uh, we didn't have the, the, you know, the greatest uh, announcement uh, plan. Uh, we all acknowledged that. There was a little bit of a struggle for us to get out there to, to what is this new product. At the same time, you know, listening to fans, it was, uh, it was relevant. It was important to understand that they were looking for things to rally around. And... BlizzCon was growing in stature. Other standalone events were growing in stature. And I thought, the Xbox fan base is the most passionate fan base out there, even more so than PlayStation or Nintendo, at least my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do something that uh, was um, important to them, relevant to them, and something that they could go and say, hey, fans are the same everywhere. 
Yeah. And so I pitched an idea uh, back in 2014 um, that was essentially a fan experience. Um, and they said, thank you. Thank you for that. And then they buried it. But no, <laughs> uh, no, they, they thought about it. Um, uh, and uh, Jeff Rubenstein will tell you that uh, he started the very first fan, uh, fan fest in 2014. But uh, he didn't have the name, so therefore it didn't, doesn't exist. Um, did he call it Jeff Fest? He probably did. The Rubenstein Fest. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we, uh, we came out of that thinking, okay, it's super important that we re-engage with our fans. we super important to tell the story of Xbox. And, and you've got the leadership that does it at the time. I mean, Peter Moore, passionate about fans, even, you know, leading that, having been before there. Yeah, he was there. Correct, before there. He led that culture. I worked for him in 2000, so, like, he was at EA, <laughs> so I know where he is. So he's great <laughs> with that stuff. But Aaron and I talked about just how passionate Aaron is about fans and yes. connecting community and socials changing and socials ramping up, and it's getting really strong. So, yeah, I think putting kind of Xbox first for fans and, and leading, you know, I th- we had just talked about how the, the briefings used to be very corporate and mm-hmm. quiet until you, until you brought the fans in. So fans have always been first for you guys. And I just feel like the, what you guys are doing, the fan fest was, was kind of grown out of some of the early work that Peter had done in some of yes. Aaron revamping kind of the briefings um, and bringing fans into, into those and, and kind of building that out. Aaron was so instrumental in so many different ways. Um, he came on, became the GM, uh, running product marketing. Um, and, I, of course, I was on the team at the time and had, and had pitched it a couple times. And uh, and he understood it. He understood it immediately. And in 2015, when I was trying to uh, launch a, a State of Decay Definitive Edition on um, Xbox One, he said, hey, we, we want you to go ahead and do this thing. What do you, what do you, what do, what do you need? Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Let's do it! Let's do it!" I, I really had honed the the focus, the position, uh, what I wanted to accomplish, uh, and a lot of support inside the company to make that happen as well. To really, uh, people understood sort of the crazy talk I had uh, of what uh, what this kind of festival like experience was, because it was and authentic. Nothing came. I mean, I'm assuming it was like. There is zero, like, all right, what's the ROI on FedFest and how are we tying it back to sales? It's more of directly every dollar invested in here is just to, to build that build that fest and reward the fans for, for being fans. Yes, everything. And, and that was the real uh, real meat of my entire um, uh, thought, desire behind, behind the product. Um, you know, there is something about what we've seen across all sorts of different industries. So looking way outside of the gaming industry to sports in particular, a lot of the work I had worked on many sports games in the past, uh, there is a passionate fan base behind that. And that passion drives interest in that team, interest in further, uh, you know, the fandom itself. Some of them, the most, some of the greatest uh, fan communities in the world uh, are around sports. And, that's where my energy comes from. That's where I really said the Xbox fans I know, I hear from, they're they're willing to do this. They want to do this, and they're willing to rally around the brand. Yeah. Because the one the moment they get excited about the brand, the more they're going to be in tune with everything else that we do. And uh, I was right. Yeah. It was great there. So having Aaron support that through E3, and then let's turn around and go, hey, we're going to Gamescom. You want to do? It? Let's do it there too. And the first one, and the first one was Century City. 
Yeah, so... Sprink- uh, did sprinklers go off on people? That's right, they did. <laughs> I want to tell, uh, talk to me it about was that. a lineup. Uh, it was a lineup at the Microsoft store in Century City Mall. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was still nervousness. It was the same type of nervousness we, we felt... Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, really about... felt about Assassin's Creed when they were like, are we going to be successful? Now you look back and go, why were you nervous? Yeah, but in that one, that one was different than the fan fest we now hear. It was just kind of a get-together, and we're going to give tickets away and what, what like what was the offering on the first one and and how did yeah. how did it kind of come together it was it was still pretty elaborate um so uh we had 500 tickets uh it was going to be a multi-day experience uh they would go to the briefing uh we would do uh so the briefing was the first thing then uh we would give them um kind of a showcase like experience where they get to play the game later that day so that year uh, the briefings was uh, the briefing were on mondays uh, and so Monday morning they would go to the briefing, and then right after that we would take them to a showcase experience where they'd be the first fans to play all the games. It just so happened that, that was also Satya's uh, first year at Microsoft, so he also came by to see how Xbox was uh, engaging with fans. Mm-hmm. So we we kind of hit a really great uh, momentum piece. Satya super believes in Xbox, so I could see that he does. You know, the, him him coming to that first one makes a ton of sense for. You know, just for his engagement around the side of that side of the business. Yeah, and so we built, the, we worked with our partners at Microsoft Stores, and then transported all the fans. They slept out overnight. Then we moved them to the briefing, and then they had breakfast there. Then they went to, um, uh, then they went the same day. Then also to the showcase where they get to play all the games for the very first time. Really in depth engagement experience. Uh, and then uh, they also went to E3. So we've done that for the last couple, several years. Every year at E3, they got Expo passes. Uh, and then lastly, that year, we actually had something on Tuesday night, I believe, where we partnered up with Twitch. Uh, they had a Twitch party. We did a uh, sort of a celebrity multiplayer uh, experience. Uh, and then they enjoyed the rest of the evening uh, at the yeah, Twitch party. That's awesome. And it was, you said it was 500? It was 500. Yep, okay. we started off with 500 fans. And, what, and what's the evolution? What's the next? So that happens at E3. Is mm-hmm. it just an annualized thing? Because I know the XO came out of that and you know you started doing things internationally yeah um well talk a little bit about the growth and how how that's growing yeah so that first year we did e3 and gamescom and that was a ton of work i was learning so many new things working with people who knew and understood events but at the same time pushing everybody to think differently and how we were going to engage with fans to make it fun to make this uh uh spinning top of passion as I like to call it, uh, and do you really call it that? Is that the name? Of it? I do actually did, call did it a spinning top. I actually have a spinning top animation spin, in my in my PowerPoint. Spinning top of passion. Did that? Was that? Is just fantastic. a spinning top. Let's call it that. It does sound weird, uh, but no, <laughs> it, that energy that we create from these types of um, key moments in time uh, to really showcase how uh, awesome this this community is uh, to influence other people. To say, hey, look, we are worth your time and energy. Uh, why don't you come on over? Because our fan base is awesome. Our franchise, our brand is awesome, and we stand for so much more than simply just trying to sell you something. Uh, yeah, we're still a business. We still get that part. But ultimately, um, we went. To, we did the two at that first year, mm-hmm. got the thumbs up. Like, that was amazing. From And then f- understand that you know, when Phil is sitting in front of the fans and talking to them before he went on to the briefing, and they're just roaring uh, because it's Phil Spencer. Our entire uh, personality, I think, changed at that point, especially in our briefings. You mentioned earlier about how the briefings were very corporate or it would just be the media uh, reporting on what we're talking to them about. But it would be so quiet you'd hear a pin drop. Um, 
the fans changed all of that. And so we, we continue to, we don't put them in really inauthentic moments. We put them in moments where they, they will simply just be great fans. Yeah. Uh, and you're seeing that now. The fifth, this just past briefing was the perfect example of that. Where How many people did you bring this year? This year, uh, for FanFest, there was uh, over 700 that went. Um, and but there was even more fans in the briefing itself, yeah. Uh, because we had briefing only tickets as well, so we had the most fans ever. Yeah. And that, what I love about it is that they're real fans. There, uh, Aaron and I talked about it a little bit. It was you didn't hire a company to place people in there. Like these are Xbox no. fans. Like you see the, you know, the, some of the awards festivals they they bring people in. Like these are like you didn't bring anybody in. You just gave tickets to fans and, and right. they came in. Yeah. No. They and they come. We keep. We're really. We're really critical for ourselves about what we are going to deliver to consumers. We would like, what would we want to see in if we were a fan? What would we want to experience? We do so much in our business that is so cool, but because it's our job and we're doing it all the time, we tend to forget about it. We tend to forget that it's a lot of fun at times, that some sometimes the daily grind is actually super interesting. E3 is the Super Bowl of the gaming industry. It's the center. It's where we announce so many different things, not only us, but every company that's here. And fans will travel for that. Uh, we had tons of people. We had over 15 countries represented in FanFest this year. They come from everywhere. Some guy from Exeter, Exeter England, talked about how he took a train to Heathrow, then he waited, then he took the flight to Heathrow, then he took a car from the airport to here. And he didn't know whether or not this experience was going to be what he wanted. And he said, I'll do it tomorrow again. Yeah. Let's do it. That's awesome. I, 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 can't, I can't put into words how much that means to me uh, because this is my new IP. This is what I do. This is an idea that I had. And the fact that somebody and many fans who say this is the best days ever, man, thank you so much for what you do. I mean, when they're saying thank you, I'm I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, thank. Why are you thanking me? I'm just doing what. Sure. Uh, well, thank you for supporting this. Yeah, no, it's great, and the, and it's it's funny. The community is huge, and you talk about all the different countries, but the fans are so passionate, and social is great because you know people come up to me and say, hey, and I'm like, hey. And I'm I'm just a little agency guy that does super secret stuff behind the scenes for you guys. But I, I was walking over here and oh, okay. um, even one of the guys, who who, uh, who did the Keanu yell out? Uh, it was one of our fans. Yeah, well, it was was it Peter or Peter Peter the leader? I think is what his name. He is. just shout me, out to Peter. He just I, I I just met him for the first time downstairs. He just came up to me and um, introduced himself, and I we had talked on social, and I hadn't met him. But it's, so it's just fun. Like I, I did a Mortal Kombat thing with WB. Right. Right. And I had FanFest people wearing FanFest gear show up to the Mortal Kombat launch, and, and they knew who I was, and they knew who everybody was. And just it's such a tight-knit community that you've you've built out of this thing, which I think is really um, – it's really cool, and it's, it's engaging. Oh, and, and it feels so authentic and, and true, um, which is the best part. I mean, it's it's – they get nothing out of it other than having access to you guys. And, you know, Aaron and I talked. Like, he had 20 people come up to him while I was waiting – when he was at, a, you know, waiting for dinner, and he loves it, like right, mm-hmm. and he wants to oh, ask, his, he wants to ask the questions. Wheelhouse. Yeah, he wants to, he wants to ask the questions, and he wants to hear about the feedback and have those conversations, and and everybody is just kind of engaging with it, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and uh, and our regions, uh, our, our people in the rest of the world uh, across Xbox 
have really embraced this well. Um, what countries have you covered so far? Uh, so, of course, uh, Gamescom, Cologne, Germany. Uh, we've been in three different cities in China, uh, Madrid, Milan. We've been down to Sydney, Australia. Uh, Mexico City actually has a gigantic fan fest. That was a big one. Their, their team down there is so wonderful. Uh, Eric, Nashla, and team, that they put on such a wonderful event that they kind of uh, were doing this even before, but in talking with them, uh, adjusting it slightly, but then really kind of putting the FanFist moniker. There's 10,000 people that go to that event. Yeah, you did and a big Inside Xbox episode down there. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, that was the film. first XO, XO18 last year was in yeah. Mexico City. And you guys uh, just announced, just the, I think on Sunday you guys announced uh, X, uh, X... Oh, XO19? Yes. Yeah, yeah, XO19 yeah. in London. Yep, so XO19, so the second year of XO, uh, we're going to be in London, which is going to be fantastic. It's going to be in November, uh, which is also fantastic. That's awesome. How uh, do people? How do? How, if people are listening to this first time, hopefully we've got people that are FanFest members listening. But if if you're not, is there? How do you get engaged and how do you become part of the community? Is there, is there a path for that? Like um, to get in uh, into XO or just the, the FanFest oh, increase? Yeah, just um, to get. Well, to get, here's here's the great the other great the part. Yeah. The secret sauce of FanFest is we build events where the fans are. And uh, for FanFest, we're flexible enough to be able to go to lots of this different cities, as I talked about. Uh, EXO is kind of the same concept. It's a, a lot more moving parts. Um, we'll have more to announce uh, later about yeah. how to and get, I don't even to get mean the London. I don't even mean the London on 19 tickets. I just mean in general, like how, how do you get to be part of uh, – how are you picking out the – how are you picking out the 500 people who are part of FanFest? How are you uh, picking out the other people who are getting the briefing tickets? Those kind of things. That is a great question. I'm glad you're saying that. Uh, so part of the inclusivity that we try to accomplish with that, that – uh, Spinning top of passion. Let's <laughs> go. Um, I'll make a T-shirt. Yeah, we should. I should uh, with a spinning top. Uh, uh, trademark. I get ten percent. Um, I think is Jeff, that. Uh, I think Jeff came up with the name. <laughs> probably did. We build on each other's successes. <laughs> there you go. Um, is um, uh, what was the question again? <laughs> How do you get into? And I'm not going to let Johnny edit this either. How do you get tickets, or how do you get into the community? Oh, the community. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Sorry, I was hearing my inner monologue. As soon as I said Jeff, it just really throws good. you off and you're distracted. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you know, people joke that I'm the Pied Piper of FanFest, but really, what I try to do on social media is really uh, listen to the fans and build experiences around that. So. I, and many times I'm the one with the stream of conscious ideas on either my Twitter, um, Money Rumble on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, but that is where I start to foster it around the hashtag of Xbox FanFest. Uh, we don't really have a, a dedicated location, although we do have a .com page during E3 and specific yeah. events. But we really try to have that dialogue on social media with the fans. So people that are coming are people that you've connected with on social whether it be Facebook, whether it be Instagram, whether it be Twitter, probably mostly Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Well, the tickets themselves are super open. We actually have now implemented for the last couple of years a random draw. So okay. the idea is that everybody has a chance to get into FanFest. Okay. It's really important that we've gone through multiple ways of getting tickets. The first year, we obviously had people sleeping out. That was great because it was a new concept. We didn't have a lot of people lining up as by the time hit them, UN yes. brought them pizzas. Okay, yep. so we got I scratched the sleeping over part. Yeah, no, it uh, well, actually it's funny how so many fans still have fond memories of that because they good. build great friendships during that night. 
I worked. Uh, at, I worked at Legendary, and we did Hall H, and people would stay. Oh, over. Like, yes. they, like Hall H, literally. There's at uh, Comic Con, six thousand seats, twenty five thousand people spending the night, and it's just it's literally. And we and when I was at Legendary, we were going to announce Godzilla, and Thomas is a huge Thomas Tull, who owns Legendary, is a huge passionate fan. He wanted to like bring pizzas for everyone, and like, oh. the Comic Con <laughs> won't let you kind of engage and do those things, but it just shows you how passionate those fans are. So yes. It's the experience is, is part of the journey. It sure. is. And we now live in a moment in time in, uh, in history where people are looking for unique experiences. We deliver that. That's what we look to. We challenge ourselves so, so much on that. What can we deliver that's unique? What is unique than it was last year? Adding these secret gear backpacks. We've always had great backpacks with content in them. That we now we have to surprise fans almost every year. We don't do it all the time, uh, but it is something we don't do for every fan fest. But it is something that uh, we we want to reward the fans for spending some time with us. So, uh, and so, then getting the tickets is yeah. really it's anybody can do that. Anybody has a chance to get those tickets. is super important approach for us. It is not invite only. We don't pick uh, favorites. Uh, everybody has a chance, and it that for me has been the line in the sand about how we approach this. Sure. Even when we went to uh, uh, charging for ticket prices, um, we did it in the idea that it was was going to mean there was some skin in the game for the fans to be there. Yeah. But then we're like, no, we're actually not trying to make money on this. We're actually going to create a new part of our entire program, the social good aspect of what we do. Having fans now pay it for to others who may not have the opportunities that they do to play games. And yeah. we've been great. It's been great to partner with Gamers Outreach here in the U.S. the last couple of years. Uh, Gamers Outreach obviously builds those go-karts. For Talk about it a little bit, because that's Aaron's passionate about that as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he's super passionate. And it, it, that kind of that connection really so what led. what is Gamers Outreach? Gamers Outreach, uh, led by Zach uh, uh, over there. Uh, Zach's actually an Xbox MVP. Zach has done an amazing job building a concept of delivering these go-karts. These are go-karts are sort of elaborate standees, very easy to put together, that they can put in hospitals, uh, that kids and people who stay for long periods of time in those hospitals can actually play games. For the overall health experience for, uh, for these kids, mostly for kids, uh, so instrumental in having a positive mindset through some very difficult times that they're experiencing there. At the same time, you know, hospital uh, uh, nurses, doctors, such like that, their focus is on health, not on how to put together a gaming console. Sure. So the, that, that merging of two things, being able to deliver these go-karts to many hospitals all around the United States and other parts of the world, uh, is why we say we're, we want to get behind you and have all our ticket proceeds donated to those types of experiences. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I, I totally understand the charging just to make sure that you've got people that want to be there and not just happen to like it's just a commitment to the to the group. And then I think putting the money in the right places. Is yeah, awesome, we, so. we we literally say, we, how can we help the fans now pay it for to others? We can do that with with charging for tickets, but then using those programs in place in order yeah. to help others. And the fans have adopted it without hesitation. They absolutely want to help others. And now we have another new program attached to to FanFest that on in on top of insider access, you know, sheer joy moments. We always like to deliver sheer joy moments um, around the world. That's what we do, and that's what my my 
I'm driven by those things to deliver those things to fans. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you do guys do a great job at it. So thanks for uh, thanks for coming thanks. up. I want to talk about what's which what was out of the briefing or out of E3 in general. You've walked the floor. Yes. Anything? What, what's the most exciting thing you've saw you've seen? Uh, the most most exciting thing. Um, I'm really excited for Gears Five. I know the team has been very. Uh, the team of Coalition is really dedicated. Uh, they have the same real dedication to the franchise as so kind of similar age to Fan Fan Fest. Uh, Rod's a great ambassador, great mm-hmm. leader for the for the development team out there. So That's I'm really a excited. For, yes, that just delivers on time. Yeah, the gear. I'm really excited for Gears Five. I think that's going to be a really big hit for for the game uh, games industry as a whole. Um, uh, see, I walked it literally just an hour ago, so I was just kind of taking it all in. Really impressed with what I saw with Watchdog Legion. Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think uh, that came out of the blue. Really, it kind of surprised us that they, a new Watchdog was coming. Um, and I'm uh, very excited that the fact that you really can play every NPC. Uh, boy, that's a, such a monumental jump in technology and game design. Yeah. Um, would love to see how you know. Would be so excited to play that. And then, of course, Cyberpunk, the game before Keanu, but the game itself and the team at CD Projekt, um, I, you can't wait. I mean, we were people saw it an hour, last year. Did they you saw a full hour theater? of gameplay. I didn't. I did not. Yeah, I, but I heard it from Because you had friends. a podcast appointment. You could make it into the, uh, <laughs> yeah. into the video. Yeah, exactly. No, no, but um, so many good, uh, good, such great feedback from people who have seen it going, boy, I've never seen anything like this before. And we know I'm a huge fan of the Witcher franchise, loved Witcher 3. So that type of, if they are putting that much attention into Witcher, I can't imagine what's going into Cyberpunk. How did the uh, Keanu moment go over? You were, I think, I'm sure you were sitting with the fans. I actually was not. Where were you? I was over back at my uh, Regal Cinema. So we have our check in there and do a bunch of stuff. Aaron so, was with the fans. Yes, yes, he, he filmed uh, it. So I haven't actually gone to one of our briefings in a couple of years now. I, I like to leave that to other people. I, you know, it's, it's sure. as I've evolved in my give up your seat for a fan. Look at that. Yes, look at that commitment. So or, do, or you? Um, I'm not sure about that. No, I'm standing far in the back. I, don't, <laughs> I sit in the back rows and just kind of soak it all in. Uh, so how did that go over? Did 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 everybody talk about like what was like? It's such a trending moment when it happened. Yeah. Uh, it was really fun, and Aaron talked about the the way that they pitched it to us and how it all came together. But it's interesting. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Maybe yeah. I should listen to you your podcast. Listen to my podcast. Yeah, I maybe. Should. What is it Thank again? Um, uh, no, I mean, I was watching it live like everybody else, and I tend to stay away from the planning of the briefing because nobody wants it, your opinion. Yeah, no, I got you. Right. <laughs> Uh, the like, when I tell when I, when I tell own. jokes off <laughs> off mic, it seems to be it seems to land better. I freeze you up on my microphones. Brent Coyle, would no, have no, there were so many like thoughts. This. Brent will like this moment. There were so many moments going through my head, and uh, none of them were appropriate. Um, uh, no, I think I I I'd like to watch the briefing cold. I like to watch it like a fan. I like to be. I still like to feel uh, those moments, those that tingly sensation of oh my gosh, what is this? Uh, seeing Halo Inf- Infinite last year, going I have no idea, I have no idea what, what this is. What the hell is this video? Yeah, it was like oh my gosh, Master Chief. Uh, the I st- that is uh, I hold that for myself. I hold those moments. 
if you if people were to give me that access to say come see we'd like yeah. to get your opinion I say no I don't want it I feel the same way we do that a little bit with Dungeons Dragons and Stranger Things they send the scripts for season three over early and Nathan who runs Dungeons Dragons and you know Nathan Stewart pretty well oh right yeah uh, Nathan yeah. Nathan and I are both like I got no interest I don't want to read don't show me anything yeah I don't want to see anything we out. still we still want the, that experience yeah. we still you know, I'll avoid spoilers I'll walk away from leaks of Game of Thrones and someone trying to spoil Endgame and stuff like that, uh, you know, there are very few moments of purity of experiencing something new, like every, like every, and many ways it's, I I, want to be there with the fans too, to understand what they're going through. So yeah, when Keanu showed up first him in the game was, oh, wow, that's awesome. Keanu's in the game. Fantastic. Then to reveal he's there, you know, he's, he's the it guy right now. He, He, because he is, he is Keanu. And everyone understands. It's an it's an adjective now. It's a noun. It's a verb. It's everything. He, he, you Fear, know that, that audience is our mind. You know those guys are Matrix fans, and yeah. they're John Wick fans, and yeah. they've, they're they're going to take their kids to see Toy Story four, and like you know what I mean yes, like, he is he, and Bill and Ted. We grew up on Bill and Ted, so yeah, he definitely. And like two weeks ago, they was just streaming with his walkout. What song would you play with a walkout? Which was trending. So that's right. That's uh, right. Yeah. So it was, it was which I, I I retweeted a couple of those because I thought that was the most the funniest thing awesome. I've ever seen. Yeah. So it was just such a you know that. It was just such a fun moment for for everybody. It was, and then just the moments kind of uh, stacked upon themselves. The connection that people had, the how he stretched out the word "breathtaking" to describe the game, and then the pause, and then someone, you know, Peter just speaking out and saying, "No, you are," uh, and then him rolling into that. You know, I hate to say that uh, I set up the moment uh, uh, because I did. No, uh, I think that. What all the work we have done with FanFest, with the fans, the ability for them to sit in the front, to be able to connect with just whom we have up there already, the fact that uh, that Keanu, a huge movie star, also then shows up in that moment and is expressing what he's talking about again, has a game and his 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 moment in that game, but then expressing using a great descriptive word to describe that, and we know, and if you follow Keanu, um, I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a very thoughtful guy. Sure. He just had that thing on the Colbert show a couple yeah. weeks ago when he said, what do you think happens after mm-hmm. death? And he says, you know, people here are going to miss you. <laughs> there was a pause of, yeah. man. People that liked you are going to miss you, yeah. Yeah, and so and Col- even Colbert recognized that. And I think there there's the thoughtfulness in his in his approach and just being who he is. We're, there's a search now for authenticity, for just be who you are. Yeah. And I try to be that every day. And uh, I, I sometimes fail at that often. Uh, but for me, uh, it's important to me. And then seeing a guy who can be super famous that he's, he's not, on, he's not going back online to talk about what he just did, although he could, it'd be totally cool. Cause we actually want to hear from him. Sure. We think he's a smart, intelligent guy uh, who does good things. And yeah. so the moment was right. And, it's it's apropos that it was the fifth it's our fifth anniversary that, that we have the fans there the sure. most fans to have a really cool guy to be super uh, memorable for all those guys so. yeah yeah it just it just lightning in the bottle yeah you know I appreciate you doing this I um I appreciate I look, this I, uh, I enjoy this I finally will get you to listen to an episode of the podcast your own 
um, I will come <laughs> up to Seattle that. and I will steal snacks from your office and I'll try and get you to do a whiteboard hey, session. I heard you spent treats. three days doing whiteboard sessions of breakdowns of Game of Thrones characters and the connections. Did you see that? I, I heard many times that you were uh, teaching Game of Thrones classes in your office. And I was wrong on every single thing, so oh, don't take everything. Oh, exactly where you need to be in that role is wrong on that stuff. So. <laughs> Thanks again. I appreciate you. Thanks, Chris. Up. I appreciate it too.